Before I get uh, started today, I really, how about that worship today? Just really want to just thank the Lord for our worship team and, you know, our worship leaders. They really do a great job in, in leading us in the praise and worship of the Lord and getting our hearts ready to receive God's word. Um, that last song really had me thinking, Leanne, thank you so much for that word. Um, you know, we need to have the tests and stuff in life in order for us to learn to grow deep roots. I love that mental picture uh, that painted in my mind as she was sharing that. But in light of that, I just want to, now this is for free, this is extra, so this is not the message here. So, No, but in light of that, I, uh, I'm going to do this again at the end of the message, but that song, I don't know if it's, if it's the bridge or the chorus, whatever they call it. I'm not musical. But I will build my life upon your love. It is my firm foundation. Right? I'll put my trust in you alone, and I will not be shaken. Right? And so I just want to challenge us as a body of believers in Christ here today to put some action to those words, right? Because all of us have our challenges. All of us have our struggles. I don't know what your worries and anxieties are. I don't know what your, you know, what your booger bears are. And maybe some of those struggles have gone on for a long time. You know, now is the time to, to let the roots grow deep. Now is the time to anchor, right? And, and decide right here, right now. It may not change the situation in the natural yet, but in your heart, everything can be changed. Because you say, you know what? I'm not listening to the doubts anymore. I, I'm, I'm not listening to the problems. I'm not listening to the worries and anxieties anymore. I put my trust in you alone. So what I will anchor in is your word of truth. What I anchor in is the promise of God. What I anchor in is the sufficiency of God. And so I just want you to plant your feet in the spiritual ground and just make that declaration unto the Lord. And it doesn't matter if you do it silently or if you do it audibly where people can hear it. In this moment, I want whatever is on your is paramount on your mind as that thing that is your thorn in the flesh, that thing that is your struggle, the thing that has tempted you to move into doubt, fear, and unbelief rather than stay strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I want you to stand up to it. And say, I will listen. I will entertain you no longer. Now I am going to put my, my faith and all of my energy into the word of truth. And it is true no matter how I feel. It is true no matter how things look. Let God be true and everyone else a lie. Amen? So I want to encourage you with that today, and I want to challenge you, because sometimes that's where the rubber meets the road in our faith. The, 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 the path is just not going to open up like 
the Red Sea, there's a tension there. And we're called to make a choice. I've put my hand to the plow and I'm not looking back. Amen? So I just want to give you a moment just to do that. Some of you may have already had, uh, may have already done it. But as I go in silence, I want to give you a moment to just act on that word in faith and just declare that you're not giving in to doubt, fear, and unbelief. You will stand on your firm foundation, the word of truth. Father God, I know that you are moving. I know you're bringing hope. I know you're breathing life into your people right now. I just feel that you're speaking to some saying, be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, for I am with you. I am your all in all, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Just trust the Lord. And he will pull you through. Thank you, Father God, uh, for speaking to us and ministering to us where we're at in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Turn to the book of Matthew chapter 11 and join me in a, a brief word of prayer as you do. Uh, Father God, we avail ourselves to you and your word. We pray that you would speak to us, Lord. Uh, Holy Spirit, quicken the word to us that it will not go in the one ear and out the other, but that we will receive the word of God into good soil, in the good soil of our hearts in such a manner that it will bear much fruit to the glory of God in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to spend a few weeks talking about the call of God in our lives. And... Um, Well, I won't get ahead of myself. Uh, I'm talking about the call of, our God, call of God in our lives, and I want each and every one of you to know that you've been marked by Jesus. And that's what today's message is called, Marked, Called by the Savior. Now, this first verse is not the main text we're going to be covering today, but I was led to add it as a pretext uh, to the main text today. Matthew 11, verses 28 and 30, says, Come to me, all who labor 
and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, there is a dual message there. Obviously, he wants us to come to him for salvation, but he also wants us to come to him wrapped up in salvation is discipleship. And the word isn't, that this specific word isn't in there, but notice he says, those who labor and are heavy laden. There's a scripture where Jesus chastised the Pharisees for, for placing heavy burdens on people that they're not able to bear. Right? So what's the difference between labor and being heavy laden? Well, labor are those burdens that we put on ourselves. But we can also be heavy laden when burdens that come from others that are too heavy for us to bear. And we're trying, and we're trying, especially in America, we try our best to be self-sufficient, to be self-reliant, to stand on our own two feet, to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, as the, as, as the saying goes. And, and there's some good things that can come from that. Work ethic, you know, you can be a high achiever and, and, and all of that stuff. But Jesus is telling us, come to me, those of you who are striving, those who have such extreme value in, in self-sufficiency. You, you, you're laboring and working hard to accomplish something. And on top of that, you may, you've had heaped on top of you stuff you can't do, but you're still striving. And he's like, you know what? Why don't you abandon the rat race of self-sufficiency? Stop trying to be self-sufficient and come to the all-sufficient one. Are you hearing that this morning? So there's more into it. And so maybe you can relate to this this morning. Maybe you're a striver. It's, it's not all a bad thing. I mean, no great thing is accomplished without striving. You don't get better at something by not giving effort. But it's a matter of what we put our value in. What our self-worth is based on. Let's not forget that all of our righteous deeds are as filthy rags before the Lord, right? Apart from Christ. Many people wore themselves out trying to be righteous, trying to earn salvation or righteousness through striving and self-sufficiency. And our Lord is saying, forget about that. You can't do it anyway. Which all you need to do is come to Jesus. 
and he will give you rest. Take upon you his yoke. There is still a work for us, but it's his work. We're not just working for him, we're working with him. Take upon you my yoke. And learn from me. You know another word for disciple is a learner. For I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your soul. My yoke is easy. And my burden is light. How can he say that? Once we come to Christ and he's done the work of salvation for us. Instead of striving to earn salvation and right relationship with God, it's by grace through faith that we have received it. And the divine work of God that he does in us enables us to walk in righteousness. Are you hearing me? It's because of what he's done in us that we can do. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. And that takes us to Matthew 4. Verse 18, I just wanted to, I wanted to bring those couple of things out in that first verse about the sufficiency, going from self-sufficiency and turning to the all-sufficient one. We're going from a life where we're trying to make something of ourselves and we're going to the one who made us so that we can be what he's called us and created us to be. In him. Matthew 4, verse 18 While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he, being Jesus, saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. So we find Jesus here just walking by the Sea of Galilee, And he calls four young men, four men, to follow him. What were they doing? They were working. They were fishermen. They were busy at doing something, making something of their lives, and yet he interrupts them mid-business. On a work day, mid-shift. <laughs> it says, follow me. You know, if you think God's going to always intervene and work in your life when it's convenient for you, you've got another thing coming. It's not about your convenience or working on your schedule. He's going to do what he's going to do in his own time. 
And he goes up to these men and says, he doesn't have a long conversation. He goes up to them and he says, follow me. And the interesting thing is, they did it. He walks up to them and says, follow me. And not only did they do it, it says they gave an immediate response. They didn't spend time dawdling about it. They didn't spend time, you know, thinking it through it and, and, and considering the pros and cons. The Lord came and said, follow me. And they immediately left what they were doing to follow Jesus. Simon and Andrew, you know, they're in business themselves. They don't answer to anyone. The sons of Zebedee are there working with their father. They left the business and their daddy standing right there to follow Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that this scripture means you should leave your job or leave school and, you know, and follow Jesus and everything. But for, for these guys, these guys were called to be disciples of Jesus. How many of you know that's what we are called to be? Disciples of Jesus. So their response was immediate. And to me, that kind of highlights something for me, what it means to be a follower or a disciple of Jesus. It means full, undivided commitment to him. And that commitment to follow Jesus may require you to leave some important affiliations behind in order to follow him. I'm not telling you what those are or who those are, but there comes a time when you just got to make a decision that I have decided to follow Jesus. And that may cause me to separate from the normal course of my life in the pursuit of following him. And if it does, then so be it. He didn't call the sons of Zebedee to excommunicate themselves and, 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 and to ignore the fact that he's their dad, but he also called them to follow him, which meant they had to separate from their dad in order to follow Jesus. So there's no half-stepping with Jesus, is there? We've got to be all in with him. And hearkening back to that first scripture, these were self-sufficient men. Entrepreneurs, businessmen. He didn't go down and find people slacking on the shore. He didn't find beach bums out there. People, you know, people who aren't going about trying to build something and make something happen and provide for families and so forth, just lollygagging through life. These were guys who were self-sufficient individuals. So the call 
was to come out from that life of self-sufficiency and come walk with the all-sufficient one. There's a new life that I'm calling you to. And it, and it doesn't mean you won't have to work. It doesn't mean you won't still have to accomplish some things, but, 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 but I'm changing your paradigm here. I'm going to, I want you to learn of me. I got a different yoke for you. And as you walk with me, I want you to realize that apart from me, you can do nothing. I'm the vine. You are the branch. I'm your source. I'm your sustainer. I'm your provider. I am your way maker. I want you to learn from me and learn to trust me. Let me guide your life and teach you how to walk in the things of God. You're going to learn your value, your true value through your relationship with me, says the Lord, right? You're going to learn your true calling from me. You're going to do greater things than you ever thought possible. In the Lord. Amen. I hope that's encouraging you today. So. So he, he wants them to learn to practice the way. The, the way of the Lord. And to base their lives. On several key things. And the first of which is leaving a life of sufficiency, self-sufficiency, and commit to following the all-sufficient one. That's number one. Let's talk a little bit more about what that means. Um, a second thing... Uh, That following Jesus means is becoming like him. We're not just reading and learning, but the objective of a disciple is to become like his teacher. In some discipline, in this we're talking about our walk with the Lord, you know, being children of God. So following Jesus is becoming like him. Luke chapter 6 verse 40 says, A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. And our, our teacher is Jesus, right? He's our Lord. He's our Savior. And as his disciples, the objective is not just to learn what, what's important to him, but to become like him. You've been marked by him to be his disciple. Do you accept it? Got a lot of people thinking about it. It was kind of rhetorical, though. You've been marked 
and you accepted the call. Or I will say, have you accepted the call? Peter and Andrew, James and John had a choice. He didn't ask them to. He said, come, follow me. I get the impression that he said it with authority. But still, they could have said, you're out of your mind. I don't know you. I don't know you like that. I don't know if I'm ready for that level of commitment. But the call is the call. The same call that God made to them, he's making to you and to me. The call hasn't changed. The only question is, what, I, what will be our response? If you know the Lord, if you've given your heart to him, praise God. I'm excited that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life and you enjoy the salvation of the Lord. But what I want to challenge you to is not be satisfied with that. Because the calling is more than the salvation of the Lord. The calling is not a selfish call. The call is for us to be used of God as to be his disciples to represent him in the world so that others might hear the gospel and be brought to salvation in the Lord. And he needs disciples willing to represent him in the world and to engage with the world in a way to spread the gospel that more might be saved. In other words, to be fishers of men, of mankind. Are you hearing that today? So he wants us to be, a, be like him. That's what he did. That's what we should be about. Are you hearing me? All right. Now, and third, I only got three. Following Jesus is doing the works that he did. So he wants us to leave any notion or any pursuit of self-sufficiency to repent from that. Realize that just as we were insufficient to save ourselves, we're not, you know, uh, it, our insufficiency is why it was needed for him to die on the cross for our sins. It is no condemnation to admit our lack, our insufficiency. It is it's actually wisdom. Because only in admitting that and humbling ourselves to the point that we can admit that, that we can then embrace the truth and truly receive the salvation of the Lord and the fullness that he has for us. But as I was saying, third Jesus, uh, following Jesus is doing the work that he, that he did. Uh, John 14, verse 12 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. 
and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Right? So there is a doing that is expected, but that doing isn't from our sufficiency. It's from yoking up with him and letting him be our all-sufficient one. Amen? You've been marked by our Savior to represent him in the earth. John 15, verses 4 and 5 say, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Right? This is not, I hope this is not a discouragement to you. Apart from Christ, you can do, if we're doing it right, apart from him, we can do nothing that truly glorifies God. Second Corinthians chapter 3, starting with verse 4 says, now, and Paul is talking about the fact that, you know, that the changed lives of the people that they've ministered to is the letter written in the spirit. It's the evidence that they are representing God, that they're working, that they're working for God, that what they're doing is God ordained. And he says, such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. Really want to circle that right now, right? We're doing some things. God is doing amazing things through us. But make no mistake, this isn't based on any sufficiency from us. Everything we're doing is from the sufficiency of God. Our confidence is in him. He is enabling us to spread this gospel and to minister to people in, in ways that have transformed their lives. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Hey, he's made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant. Don't ever tell yourself that you are not sufficient to be a minister of the new covenant. Now, if it, if it depended on self-sufficiency, you'd be, you'd be in trouble. But we're talking about Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, right? Two-thirds of it. And yet, he is saying that, hey, I used to be a Pharisee from the tribe of Benjamin, well-learned in the things of God and everything. God's used him mightily. And yet, he's saying, 
hey, what, what you see going on here, it ain't due to my sufficiency. Now, if Paul can say that, I, I think we ought to pay attention to it. Right? Because we, we think that, you know, he's one of my biblical heroes. <laughs> right? And there's a temptation to want to, to, to emulate him. And, and, uh, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. As long as we put things in the proper perspective, let's listen to what Paul said. How was he able to do what he did? Because he didn't let self become too important. He didn't get full of himself. He didn't look at the giftings and things that God had, had blessed him with and, 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 and let his head get all puffed up. He, rec- he kept himself humble and realized that this is all due to the grace and divine work of God in me. I can do none of this apart from him. It is not I who live, but Christ lives within me. It is not I who is doing the work, but Christ is doing the work. Amen? And so I love, I love that verse. And I love the truth that it speaks to us. And we, and we need to let it encourage us too. Because we don't need to have that chicken little mindset when it comes to walking with the Lord. The sky is falling. You know, God, I hear what the preacher says, but I am so not up to that task. I cannot do this. I can't. I can't. I can't. You're not just talking about you. You're talking about what God is able to do. It's not just about your insufficiency. Right? It does not glorify and it does not proclaim God's ultra-sufficiency and his ability to make you able to be an effective witness for him. And so I want to read that again. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency, say our sufficiency, is from God. Your sufficiency is from God. Who has made us sufficient. He's made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for making us sufficient to be ministers. Now, we've got to believe that. Any high thing, any high thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, we've got to pull that down and we've got to plant in its place Truth. And, and don't be too worried about resistance that comes, like Leanne said, because with that resistance, it forces us to grow deeper roots so that we can withstand in the evil day. Having done all to stand, stand armored up in the Lord, standing strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Hallelujah. It's not about our sufficiency. It's about us abandoning any notion of self-sufficiency and turning to the all-sufficient one and letting him be our sufficiency because he is 
your sufficiency. Um, one, one final scripture I want to uh, share is a very familiar one, 2 Corinthians 12, starting at the 8th verse, talking about sufficiency. Paul says this, three times, I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Whatever the thorn in Paul's side represented, it will just say it was irritating or uncomfortable enough that Paul urgently persisted in prayer before God that God would remove it. I'm certain that this isn't the first time, this wasn't the first time that Paul prayed in such a way to God. And I'm, and I'm confident that God answered his prayer on many occasions. But on this time, he didn't. This time, he gave Paul a different answer. My grace is sufficient for you. This may apply to what I said earlier about staking, putting your stake in the ground and saying, you know what? I am not letting my problems or whatever issues that have been plaguing me, I'm not letting it have control over my thoughts or my emotions anymore. I'm not letting it direct or navigate my life anymore. I'm taking a stand on the word of God. And you know, you might be where Paul is right now. You might be right now where Paul was in this verse. Maybe you've been pleading with the Lord. Lord, I'm so done with this. Let it be over and done with. And maybe the Lord wants to work in your life right now in a different way. I know this is probably not what some want to hear. Paul didn't want to hear this, I can tell you that. I wouldn't have wanted to hear it. But it's what God said. It's how God wanted to work in his life in that moment. I don't know all the whys and wherefores. I don't know all the ins and outs of it. All I know is what scripture says. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So he, for or because. See, there comes a time when we have to think outside of ourselves. What God wanted to do in Paul wasn't about Paul. It was about those who were observing Paul. It's about those whom Paul was engaging, those who are in a position to be influenced by observing Paul as he conducted himself in his walk with the Lord. And he says, 
My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And maybe it's not fair for me to say it's not about Paul. I would say it's not just about Paul. As mightily as God used Paul, God wants Paul to see, hey, Paul, you've got some tremendous gifts. I've blessed you with a lot. But the secret sauce isn't in all the gifts that you have. The secret sauce is in the fact that you are yoked with the all-sufficient one. And it might be more, it might be make things easier to do if you didn't have this thorn, if you didn't have this physical impediment. You know, it may make it may make it easier for you to do certain things. You might be able to accomplish a little bit more in your sufficiency, your, your skills and your talents and your giftings, you know, if they were unhindered by this, could really flourish. Maybe. But God wanted him to know that his grace was enough for Paul. And he gives him the why. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul, there comes a time when you are so gifted, people can just look at this and say, well, of course he can do that. Look at him. You know, He's, he's six foot ten, eight percent body fat, muscles everywhere, can jump out the gym, has this booming voice, he has this superior intellect, he's charismatic, he's got all this stuff. Well, it's no surprise that this person can do what he's done and sway people and accomplish all these things. But once you start putting those impediments in there and you're not able to rely on those giftings as much or, you know, or, or something like this thorn in the side gets in the way, now all of a sudden it's going to take something other than you for you to be able to accomplish certain things. And then there is no question, there is no doubt that if something gets done that shouldn't be possible with the presence of the thorn in your life, now people got to look at something, uh, something greater than you that made that happen. My strength is made perfect in weakness. So here's what Paul's response was. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness. So that the power of Christ may rest upon me. My goodness. I hope y'all are notating that down. Right? It's not just that he's deciding, okay, I'm just going to rejoice in my, in my weakness. No. It's like, okay, if, if his strength, if the power of God is made perfect through my weaknesses, then whenever I find myself in a weak, in a weak position that I'm trying to do something that is beyond me, then I'm going to rejoice. Because in that weakness, the power of God's going to rest on me and his sufficiency 
is all sufficiency is going to be revealed. And isn't that what we're doing this for? For the glory of God? That's what we ought to be doing it for. The glory of God, not our own. So that the power of Christ, the, I cannot emphasize this enough, and for sake of time, I won't, you know, just camp here too much longer. But I want to challenge our paradigm as it pertains to this, because when we feel weak, the last thing that we feel is the power of God resting on us. We don't, we don't even think in those terms. But if this word is true, and we know all scripture is God-breathed, all of it is true. So it is true. This is God telling Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Then it ought to change the way we see our situations when we feel, when we feel weak. Perfect opportunity for the power of God to rest on us. Okay, God, this is beyond me, so this is an opportunity for you to glorify yourself. Uh, I've signed up. I'm a part of the Lord's army. army. What would you have me do? So when you feel weak, you're not really weak. You're in, you're not just weak, you're in the perfect position. For the power of God to rest on you. I want you to remember that. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You might be weak. If so, then you're strong. In the Lord. And in the power of his might. Don't hang your head low because of your insufficiency. Instead of hanging your head low, look up. To the hills from which comes your help. Because the power of God is available to rest on you. And God can use you to accomplish that which makes no sense in the natural. So Jesus' invitation, this started with an invitation. Come to me. All who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It continued with an invitation to four men. Come, follow me. The invitation to follow Jesus. And he extends that same invitation to us today. The same invitation as it was over 2,000 years ago. Come, follow me. He invites us to come to him, 
turn away from a life of self-sufficiency and turn to the all-sufficient one. Be like him and to do the works that he does. So what is your response to our Lord and Savior's invitation to follow him? You believe in Jesus? That's good. You believe in Jesus? But he's calling you to be his disciple. To let him be your all-sufficient one, to be like him, to do the works that Jesus himself did. In the time, in the time in history that God has placed you in. And just like the four men, the two sets of brothers, It is a call that should get an immediate response. I'm not here to judge who is and who isn't a disciple of the Lord. Um, My job is to let you know what it's supposed to look like (laughs) and to call you to it and to challenge you to respond and say, you know what? Yeah. That's what I, if that's what Jesus is calling me to, then that's what I'm saying yes to. I'm willing to leave affiliations. Not necessarily because they're bad affiliations. The sons of Zebedee didn't leave because they had a bad daddy. They left because Jesus invited them to come and follow him. That wasn't a total break of the relationship, but hey, the master called and they had to pursue being his disciple so that he could actually mature them into the call of God on their lives. Our kids leave home and go to college. Or they go into their professions and they start their own families, not because they hate their parents, They might. And then they'll become parents, and all of a sudden they'll have a whole new respect for their their parents. No, but if that's what God is calling you to, and we know that he's calling you to it, then let's be intentional and let's be deliberate and let's be definite to respond to that call and say, yes, Lord, I follow you. Yeah, but that's going to cost you something. I'm willing to pay the cost. Even if that cost is letting go of my need to feel self-sufficient. God's going to have to help some, some of us with that. Some of you, it may be a tough, maybe a tall order for you to let go of that need to feel self-sufficient, but God is calling you to do exactly that so that he can be the all-sufficient one for you, so that you can find rest for your soul. 
Hallelujah. 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 I'm going to ask you all to stand. Praise the Lord Jesus. I'm going to ask at this time the uh, elders, uh, if the elders and elders' wives would would join me up here at the front. I just, we want to be a blessing to you. In response to today's message, there may be someone who wants to be definite and declare that, you know what, I'm responding immediately to the call of Jesus to, to, to follow him in a, in a, in a definite way. Not, not just for salvation, but I want to be like him. I'm choosing to lay down any notions of self-sufficiency so that I may embrace the all-sufficient one and let him be my source and sustainer. I want to be like him. I want to do the works that Jesus did. I want to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah. Uh, and, if that's, and if that's you, then come up and, and to any one of us and make that known. And we want to bless you and pray for you that way. Hallelujah. But, but, but let's be definite about being disciples of the Lord and following after him. I also have the elders up here because Scripture says that if there is any sick among you, let them come before the elders that the prayer of faith may be prayed for them and they may be healed. So I want to encourage you right now, those of you, if you've got any issue in your body, if you've got anything going on that could be an, an illness or uh or pains or discomfort or what have you it'd be our honor to pray with you be in faith be in faith and come in obedience to God's word that the Lord might touch you and heal you that invitation is open to you as well right now yes you may come on praise the Lord praise the Lord amen Hallelujah. Just find any one of these. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All right. Here we go. Pastor Dale. Okay. Hallelujah. Hey, and you all standing where you are, you can partner with this ministry that's going on. Pray as the Lord leads you for any or all of these people who have come up here today for prayer. Let's just honor the sanctity of this moment as the Spirit of God is working. Hallelujah. 